Welcome to another episode of Living in the Past. We are a podcast that talks about the 90s. We go through it month by month. We're talking about the August 1993. I welcome my co-host, Ben. Hello. Hey. Uh, Before we get into the 90s, uh, let's get into what we've been uh, listening to and from, from the now. It's called Living in the Now. So, I'm going to go first because we've talked on the podcast about your gaming addiction. Um, And I, just after New Year's, I believe, I decided to give a game on Xbox Game Pass a go. Uh, It was Jurassic World Evolution. And essentially, it's like The Sims, but you're building a Jurassic Park. Cool. It is. And this week... For the first time, and I'm thinking about probably like three or four years, I had a run of about three or four nights where I didn't go to bed until after midnight because I was like playing this game. And then were you also thinking about it even when you stopped and when you woke little up, bit. you're like, oh, little I wonder bit. how my city's doing. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Yep. I will say that it's. I think it's because it's like sort of focused a little bit at the younger generation, like... Like stuff happens that you that you have to sort of address, but like it's not like a ongoing like it's not something that you have to go back to and like when 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 you log back in like um a bunch of stuff's happened and you have to sort of like quickly change it all like it's but it's it's pretty stressful um I've got pretty far in it uh and now I'm looking for other like uh, uh like like minded games uh in that sort of realm I didn't think I'd ever be into that realm but yeah it's, it's is it asking you to pay for it at all yet? Nah, nah, because, like, oh, yeah, like, there's, like... Is there uh, add-ons and things you can pay and make it easier or make it better? There's DLC, but I haven't... I'm not going to do that. But at the moment, it's, like, it's free. Oh, I mean, it's with Game Pass, so it's, it's kind of free, so... Um, that, that's download content for anyone playing at home. <laughs> um, but, yeah... I uh, don't know what it is. True. Uh, I've also been watching the screams, uh, getting ready for the, the new scream coming out, uh... Gawley and Rust are also going through each one of them, so that's been delightful. Uh, and I think where are you up to with with all four? Have you watched them all already? Scheme, th- uh, I'm at Scream Three, so I just watched that yesterday. Okay, and way better than I, I remember it. And I think I was just in a better frame of mind now to watch it. I think when I watched it back in the day, I was like expecting it to be better than what it needed to be. And yeah, Parker Posey in that movie is amazing. Well, generally. I'm pretty sure the third film is always the best. Mm. Excluding Matrix. And Star Wars. And maybe Star Wars. Maybe Star Wars. <laughs> and maybe a lot of films. But quite often, the third one is... <laughs> yeah. Uh, unless you get the, the Star Trek thing. Apparently Star Trek's like... It's, odd, it's even numbers against odd numbers. Even numbers are the best ones, so... Was trying to speak about trilogies only, but there's probably not as many as I thought there was. No. Um, have you seen the new Matrix at all? Or? No, um, I was going to and thought maybe we need to watch the originals first, but I don't really want to. <laughs> we should cover, like, just quickly, um, I think we've both watched Halloween Kills now. Ah, be... so you did know what I was talking about with my <laughs> mob mentality. Yeah, yeah. Uh 
firstly, you, you tell me what you what you thought. Well, firstly, that comment Paul and I were talking earlier about um, how mob mentality should not exist in society. Um, yeah. He's like, oh, I know what you mean. I know what you watched. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not for Halloween Kills, but nah. um, yeah, it was pretty good. It was all right. I liked it. It was kind of not what I expected. Yeah, I liked the the back and forth with the last film. Mm. Like it was very strongly intertwined with the last one. Yes. Um, I don't know what I rated it, but yeah, it was of all th- we watched. I think twelve films in eight days over the holidays. Fucking hell! And that was probably in the top three. Hey, which guess what? actually isn't saying a lot, but yeah. Guess what? What? I what? didn't like it. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, that's not fair. I liked parts of it. I really liked. Um, and this is a big spoiler if you haven't seen Halloween Kills. I loved uh, the back going back into 1978. They kind of uh, retrofitted the um, very original movie uh, to sort of intertwine with uh, the 2018 and, and Halloween Kills. That all the stuff's great. Um, I kind of liked. I liked the bit in the playground in the park with um, with the desperate well, not the the desperate housewife or the <laughs> the, oh, the housewives yeah. of Beverly Hills. Um, I like that. The whole mob mentality thing. So basically, if you don't know, um, it carries on from the 2018 Halloween, and then one of the original people from the original characters from uh, the first Halloween assembles a bit of a vigilante group, and they basically just walk through the Haddonfield, the town, and uh, are trying to lynch Michael Myers and make many mistakes and many like it just it, and. It, like, if that was like a small portion of the film, that would have been fine. But they dragged that out for like way, way too long. And I'm a huge Halloween fan. It takes, it, it kills me to say that I didn't like yeah. it. But they also killed one of my favorite characters of, of this new one, which is uh, um, Julie, Judy Greer's character, Karen. Um, I'm hoping that they find some way to bring her back in the in the next one. But she she is basically holding this movie together, and then they they just yeah, that whole I ending, know was terrible it seems it seems silly to say how do they bring someone back when all they've ever done is bring michael back from the dead but how how are they going to bring her back like you can't yeah it's ridiculous she's dead but then again like um the cop from the first one survived so it's like you know and i thought he was he was done so this is not the halloween <laughs> halloween in the past but no. as much as i want it to be <laughs> um we will get to a halloween film in 95 Ooh, I can't wait. We'll get to something very similar today. Oh, man. Let's just get back in the 90s. Let's get back. All right. So uh, let's go to the events. Okay. So a little bit of a difference for this one because, like, I'm not going to say nothing happened. I'm just going to say that it's not the stuff happened that would be kind of gross to do a quiz about. Um, so oh. I'm going to I'm gonna forego the quiz today and I'm going to give you a couple of, like, uh, couple of stories um and i should do a trigger warning um there's uh there is talk a bit of uh suicide and murder and and um a couple of things to and also abortion we're going to talk about a few we're going to have some fun today and talk about those three things um yeah, that sounds great but i'll get some happy in there beforehand so ruth bader ginsburg was sworn in as a u.s u.s supreme court justice 
uh she unfortunately i think she passed away two years ago uh but did a lot um basically was like the voice of reason on a very male dominated uh right factioned supreme court so uh we salute her definitely um the eiffel tower got its 150 millionth visitor of all time uh wow yeah and bruce dickinson played his last show with uh iron maiden which is, I think, is the beginning of the end for most Iron Maiden fans. I think that would would be safe. To Notable say. news, of course. Thank you for. Uh, it's basically. Know. Oh man, it. I struggled to find <laughs> these weird things because there's two things that happen. Now, the first one is uh, physician Dr. George Chiller was shot by an anti-abortion extremist. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't killed, but he was wounded. Um, this is notable. Because he was one of the only doctors that would what was doing um, not only abortions, but he was doing late term abortions for um, time for cases where the mother may have died in childbirth, or there was there was going to be some sort of complication, and like they they wanted to have that option, he he provided it to him. This was a time where anti-abortion was pretty at its height in America. There was um, there was heaps of uh, um, anti-abortionists murdering doctors, which is kind of weird when you think about it. They're pro-life, but they're murdering doctors. Um, <laughs> but this one um, in particular, so you know Bill O'Reilly? Yes, yes. He has, He's he got a mullet host, now, right? Bill O'Reilly. You know, he was he was the uh, host of the O'Reilly Factor on Fox News. Uh, he was. Recent, well, not recently, but a few years ago, he was fired for sex harassment. He was uh, in that oh, yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah. people who he kind of looked like. Uh... No, nah, I'm not going to. See the one that used name. to slow jam the news with Jimmy Fallon. Mm, I refuse to watch Jimmy Fallon, so I'm not sure. I, I think anyway, he used to slow jam the news. So Bill O'Reilly basically on. basically hosted a uh, uh, I don't know you probably probably like um. It was like an opinion piece, but like for the Fox News. So like he would basically go and talk for like an hour or two about lefties and how much they're destroying America and basically just pushing the 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 right right wing agenda. Um, he referred to um, this doctor George Tiller as Tiller Tiller the baby killer. Uh, wow. He said that, um, he would not want to be Tiller when there's when if if there is a judgment day. Um. He basically said that he is outright murdering babies, um, and that uh, and he was, and he basically lit the flame, lit the fuse for like a lot of this, these anti-abortion groups to become violent. Now, Tiller um, was shot uh, by um, a anti-abortion rights activist. And was shot in both arms. Um, he survived it. O'Reilly, basically everyone came after O'Reilly and said, like, you kind of are causing this. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, this is, you know, I'm just, I'm just, all my, all my stuff's well researched. I'm, I'm just giving my opinion. Um, George Schiller was then murdered in 2009. Oh. By another oh. anti, anti-abortion um, activist. He shot Tiller, um... And again, people came after uh, 
um, Bill O'Reilly, and again he said like, no, no, my it's my right to say these things, and like we're not we're not saying any lies. Like he does kill babies and all that stuff. So I would love to say that like you know because even like he was that that in two thousand and nine especially he was very much condemned. Um, the whole murder was condemned. Barack Obama came out and said like you know this is this is horrible. Um, and I'd love to say that that changed people's views of abortion, but here we are in twenty twenty one, and we all know how that's going. Hopefully- Hopefully, change some people's views. I mean, you're not going to win everyone over, but you know. Well, apparently, can... even even one of the um, administration. I mean, this could just be like him saying what people want to hear. But even one of the heads of the um, of an official anti-abortion group said, like, we don't condone like murder and violence as as a way to get our message across. So, uh, but moving on from that, we're going to talk about Norwegian black metal bands. <laughs> That sounds like more fun. Uh, Is it? Strap in. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. So, it's a band called Mayhem. Mayhem was a death black metal band in Norway. Started in the 80s. Uh, Had members... uh, Now, this is not their... I'm going to tell you their names, and surprise, surprise, this is not their official names. There was one called Dead. There was one called Euronymous. And one called Necro Butcher. <laughs> Necro Butcher was the bass player. Necro Butcher was probably like... Necro Butcher was actually one of the voices of reason in this whole thing. I want you to remember that the entire way. So Mayhem was a black metal band. Um, they, were, they often played in uh, what they would call corpse paint or death paint. So like kind of like Kiss, but like way more scary. Um they often played with a severed sheep or pig's head on a spike on the stage. Um, and actually legit, like not a fake one, like an actual legit sort of thing. Uh, they were involved in a lot of uh, the, a lot of church arson in Norway in, in, Norway in the late 80s, early 90s by black metal um, uh, followers. Uh, these guys, some of these members actually burnt down churches in their, in their neighborhood. Um, because that's what they did. They probably now, thought it was a cool Satan-y thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in 1991, the member Dead, <laughs> so that's his name, um, he committed suicide. His bandmate, his bandmate Euronymous, now Euronymous, you need to remember that name because he's going to come up a lot. Uh, okay. His bandmate Euronymous uh, found uh, his his bandmate Dead um, oh with, no, I know this story With slit wrists and a shotgun wound to the head uh, His suicide note said Excuse all the blood, nobody will ever understand this But as a, as a sort of explanation I am not human, this is only a dream And soon I will awake Now, these huh. two had been uh, Bandmates for a while But also they, they kind of didn't like each other as well Euronymous, um, when he found the body And this is what apparently he did um, he went to a nearby store and bought a disposable camera and photographed the corpse and also the crime scene. Apparently, moved a bunch of stuff around to stage it quite nicely for a uh, for a band photo. Uh, he also apparently made a stew of bits of the brain from his bandmate and had oh, made necla- I didn't know that bit. and made necklaces out of his skull, um, which apparently he Ugh. passed. 
apparently apparently he passed on those necklaces to musicians and this is this is quote musicians in the norwegian metal scene that he deemed uh uh worthy of it <laughs> uh so he did that um so they were recording an album at the time they kind of they kind of stopped that um oh they were, that album was going to be uh they were going to blow up a church and film it as the um for the release for the release date <laughs> release date so they were going to release it with uh, a church being blown up uh, was there also a plan he wanted to use the photo of him dead as like the album cover or something yes yes that's the other yeah. thing too yeah um they got two more musicians they got some session musicians in to record this album um so there's uh this guy varg the kerns uh his stage name was count gwinchnack <laughs> and then uh snore Snore Rooked. Uh, I, I'm I'm massacring these names, but like this this is how I so Snore should be Snore Rook, which is he was Blackthorn on stage. Um, so I feel like his original name is good enough. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. So there's a bit of uh, I've been looking into it, and like apparently these two guys um, and Euronymous did not get along well. Uh, apparently there's like a bunch of um, legal stuff with contracts and money and lots of stuff. Uh, and it had been, tensions have been growing in the recording studio and just, um, it's just in general. Uh, apparently, um, Euronymous actually had a, uh, a record store um, in his town, but uh, his parents asked him to close it because apparently, like, you know, he's a complete man-man torching churches and uh, making stew out of his friend's brain and stuff. So they said, can you not, um, can no, you not, not use that name? Business. No. So yep. on August August 1993, those two guys, uh, should I do their stage names or their real names? Uh, let's stick with all the stage names. Okay, so Count, Grin- <laughs> Count Grishnak and Blackthorn, they drove to uh, Euronymous's house and then... Uh, they say a scuffle ensued. Now, a scuffle to me wouldn't result in one one person getting twenty three cut wounds, two to the head, five to the neck, and sixteen to the back. That just seems like more more than a scuffle. Um, if you're in a Scandinavian black death metal band, you're not having a scuffle. <laughs> um, that sounds like uh, just slapping each other. That's so, not what they're doing. So, uh, <laughs> Count Grishnak said that. Uh, he didn't mean to he mean for it to happen. They they got into a fight, and then apparently a bunch of glass got broken, and that's what caused the uh, the the cut wounds. Um, but apparently, a bunch bunch of other people said that like, he stabbed him. Um, I will say that uh, what's his name, Blackthorn. He was waiting downstairs, so like he wasn't actually involved in the murder. So they oh, this the police... was a murder. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Euronymous got Euronymous got murdered. So oh, I didn't, I, I did, I did lead it up, but I didn't actually say yeah. So he actually did die from those twenty three cut wounds. Um, so it didn't take long for them to find the other two bandmates and and arrest them. Um, uh, Count Grishnak got uh, twenty one years in prison, and that was for mo- that was for murder and also the church arson. Um, and then Blackthorn uh, was only charged with eight because he wasn't actually involved, but he was he's complicit in in like driving him to and from. Um, and yeah, that they they they, they 
they are still around. I think a version of that band is still around to this day. Um, we'll probably hear a bit more about them through the 90s because I think more stuff happened, but we'll get to that then. But yeah, that is um, that is Norwegian black metal in a, in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, not to pigeonhole them, but that's what they're all like. I mean, when when you I, when I have to Google Norwegian church arson, um, and then find out that the majority of like cases in the nineties and eighties were found to be done by black metal musicians, uh, that's that's not random. There's quite like I'm talking in the in the teens. There was like fifteen churches burnt to the ground. In their defence, saying church arson. Sounds like a Norwegian word, so maybe it's something else <laughs> that um, we're just getting confused. Would you like some church arson? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds like what they... Yeah. No? Not going to finish that sentence? <laughs> oh! Yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> um, mm. I do... I've, I've been watching The Great British Bake Off, and I think I sent you guys a message about... Um, there's a guy, Jürgen, there from Germany. It's just like... Yeah. It's just Werner Herzog, like, every time. <laughs> and I'm not pigeonholing... Isn't he just the sweetest man, though? He's the sweetest man. I, how about the first time... The, I think the first time he got Star Baker, no one answered at home. <laughs> yeah. you know, no one's answering. <laughs> and I'm not being... Like, that's kind of close to how he talks. He kind of talks like... Yeah, he's very soft and sweet. And I, I baked. They asked me to bake a cake, and so I baked it, and they liked it. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm so, trying to think of that other quote. So let's go on to sport. So, like, yeah, top that. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Oh man, so yeah. Uh, what you got in your sports stocking? Oh man, um, essentially nothing now. Like, if Norway wins have... anything, I'm gonna like fucking crack. <laughs> I, for some reason, I uh, lined up a lot more because we haven't recorded one of these for a while, and I got a bit excited doing my sport research and just oh, found nice. a bunch of garbage. Uh, I don't think I mentioned last month uh, on the 31st of July, Canada and Australia played off. For a World Cup qualification place. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah, Australia won, yeah, because they got into the '94. Uh, uh no. <laughs> um, they oh, ended up beating Canada on penalties. Yeah, but then they they faced Argentina in the actual playoff. That's the one. The World Cup. Yes. Okay. Because I, yes. I I I saw, I did look at some sport, and I'm like, oh, and then I was like. I seriously do not remember whether they got into... I thought they got into the 94 World Cup, but obviously not. Amazingly, they only lost 2-1. Yeah. But um, to Argentina, that is. Um, I remember that, I remember that match. Under-21s. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I watched it. That was back when I was into sports. That was a long, long time ago. <laughs> uh, more sports. I believe I did mention last month the Women's Cricket World Cup. Yes. Which actually concluded... In August, on August 1st. Ah, okay. Um, Who won? And England beat New Zealand. No one cares. <laughs> uh, we also had the... Here's a good one. It's not nice. curling. Uh, but it is the European Aquatics Championships. Jesus Christ. Held in Sheffield, England. Didn't Norway go? 
<laughs> did what? Did Norway go? Oh, I thought you said, did it turn into Waco? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did it turn into Waco? <laughs> um, no, it was... Uh, actually, who was even in it? Were Norway, Norway in it? Norway were in it. Oh, They nice. finished 15th of 18 teams. Oh. Uh, the UK finished 7th with one gold, three silver, eight bronze. Australia and America were not present because it was Europe. Who won? Just for uh, Germany, 15 gold. How much would that suck to host it and not be the winner? Like that just... I know, not, just... not even top five. Yeah, like you'd just be a national disgrace, basically. One gold, especially in Sheffield. If you're competing in something and you're in Sheffield, you don't do well. Ooh, <laughs> I hope you've got a car waiting for you out front. <laughs> cool. Uh, More exciting sports, would you like? I would like, yes. A second helping, please. Okay. Well, I do not have exciting sports, but I have the US Open began on August 30. Golf. Uh, this was tennis. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you anything about it because I only just begun. Oh. Maybe I'll remember and mention it next year. Come back next, next week m- and find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, we had the, the Premier League also began. Ooh. The Leeds yeah. went into the Premier League. Yeah. Okay, cool. They were in the Premier League. Remember, they went from first to like. 16th or something? 17th, I think. Or 17th. 17th, yes. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, Not a great start for them. Drew with Man City, the first game, which is very disappointing because they're garbage. Back then they were. Uh, They're still garbage. No, but how how weird is it, as Premier League League watchers from back in the 90s, to see all these, like, shit teams suddenly get better? Like, so... When they said like Man City was like going to take the Premier League, I'm like, no, they're not. They're like mid-table, if that. And I'm like, no, my basis of Man City is back in 1993. But they were lucky to be in the Premier League. And then like Southampton got really good sometime in the 2000s. I was like, I saw them up with like in a FA Cup final. I'm like, what the fuck? Remember Ipswich? Yeah. Yeah, they're Div 2 now. Oh. Well, no. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not going well. Is Everton still in there? Yeah, they're going okay. Okay, cool. There's, there's still like there's still some ninety staples for you, but there's a few that have just for me it was like Southampton, Ipswich, Charlton, there's someone else. They were Charlton. always like my mid table teams. Yeah. And two of them who, have just disappeared. Um, who was one of the better players for Leeds? I'm trying to think. Back then? Yeah. Um, they had Gordon Strachan. Gary McAllister. Nope. Oh, Gary McAllister. No. Um. Uh. Who? Rod Wallace. No. You're they just saying had Eric Cantona. You're just saying Anglo names now, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> Steve Bennett. That's Stephen Wright. Dave Jones. <laughs> Michael Smith. Uh. Hey. Uh, Gary John- Speed. That's a real Andrew- one. Was he in there? Yeah, Gary Speed played. For yeah, Lens. yeah. Um, yeah, I reckon uh, Andrew Johnson. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a real one or not. Yeah, yeah. We should do a game like who's actually a player for Leeds. Because <laughs> then you, if you went That'll to... Be, Mar- all right, that's my quiz next month. If you went to Man United, like, it's all foreign players. Because like, didn't they... Was, wasn't Man United the reason they started putting a cap on how many non-English players you could field? I think so. But they were... No, actually, it might have been Chelsea. Okay, because I remember Chelsea um, always found being very foreign, but also like um because I know Roy Keane 
for Man United was sometimes like even though he, like he was part of the UK, like because he was Republic of Ireland, he was not. He was he was considered uh, to be part of like the the foreign squad. So like they couldn't um, field him if they wanted to have like Cantona and like all these other sort of yeah. Yeah, they brought in some ruling you could only have three non-EU players. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. People just go into Brazil and Argentina and taking their best kids. We want some English people in our teams. I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> Except for Zola. That's an easy one. Oh, jean Branca Zola. He was one of my yeah. favourites. He played for Monkey Palmer. Magic. Uh, he? Yeah, he played for Palmer in Italy. And yeah. uh, who did he play for? Is it Chelsea? Yeah, he was a Chelsea man. Yeah, yeah. The, anyway, uh, the kid that I pushed into us. the wardrobe was a big Chelsea fan and uh, wouldn't shut up about him. Um, we are just now chatting about Premier League from the 1990s. So All right, let, let's come home briefly. The okay. AFL season was wrapping up. Yeah. Richmond did not win any games in August and finished 14th out of 15 teams. Okay. Better luck Tough next year. time. Um. Essendon finished top uh, 13 wins. Carlton also had 13 wins, but a percentage uh, was not as good. Is this the Bombers-Blues grand final year? Uh, you'll have to come back next month and find out. I remember that game. No, yeah. you don't, because we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, lastly... Oh, is this, some... is this the cr- oh, this is the Crows... Going to preliminary final, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, maybe. Let me spoil it. Okay, cool. Maybe. Um, again, I tried to get some interesting news. All I could find was baseball news. <laughs> Nothing so you... else happened in the sporting world. Just baseball shit. Baseball, Ray. There's always baseball. Um, but some of it was decent. So Reggie Jackson was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Nearly one of my uh, quiz questions, but I thought. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Who will always be to me just in basketball? <laughs> Don't have your fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fred McGriff and David Justice are the sixth people ever to hit back-to-back home runs twice in the same game. Say just their last names. <laughs> McGriff and Justice <laughs> started a new cop crime fight. I'm sure <laughs> on CBS. <laughs> That's much McGriff better than Justice. the reason I. That's much better than the reason I actually mentioned it. Uh, I'm Aside you. from, it's a cool, it's a cool fact, and like kudos to yeah. him. But I only mentioned it and made note because of David Justice. <laughs> Do you remember David Justice? Uh, yes. No. Yes, because last year he married Halle Berry. That's right. I do remember now. We talked about it. That's with, his um... claim to fame. Yeah, I do remember that. Justice. McGriff and Justice. my last baseball news, okay. only for the fact that it was at an auction, I find extremely odd. A what? At an auction or an auction. How do you want what? to say it? Auction. <laughs> auction? No, it's auction. Auckland or Auckland? Auckland. Auction? Auction. <laughs> Shut up! All right, what's a, what, what is it? The Baltimore Orioles uh, got sold at an auction. Yeah, oh, or an auction. Okay. 
The only thing I know about is, Baltimore is that, is that weird. That, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird that like uh, it's like they've just done like a painting. It's like and now we've got a major league baseball team on. The- Okay. I don't know if they would have said Major League, but they would have said, you know, a baseball team. Yeah, the only thing I know about Baltimore is I think, is that the team that uh, Elaine goes for in Seinfeld because she wouldn't take out the hat? In the- yes. Yes, yeah. And we remember that because their um, mascot is a weird little character with a giant hat on. Mm. Yep. A little orange man or something. I don't know. <laughs> so that's my exciting sport. Well, it's no one sport. got murdered. No one blew anything up. Just yeah. wholesome baseball bullshit. Do you know who did get blown up? No. Jason Voorhees. Let's go to movies. Let's go to movies. <laughs> uh, oh, I saw right. that too late. I saw okay. it too late. Um, let's now. I had because I actually on holidays at the moment. I've got oodles of time, but I got to the point where. I was like, I'm going to watch every one of these movies. And then I was like, I watched three. No, I watched four of them. And I was like, you know what? I don't know whether I need to go through these. all. Like, Because I, I, I think I found my peak with a couple of them. And I was like, I don't think uh, anything's going to knock them off the top. And I don't think I want anything else to knock these off the top. Because I had a great time with two of these movies. So I'm going to go through Did you them. start from the top of the list? Yes. So, we're going to go through them. Okay. Uh, the Fugitive, The Wedding Banquet, Searching for Bobby Fisher, Heart and Souls, Jason Goes to Hell, The Secret Garden, Hard Target, Man Without a Face, Fatherhood, Needful Things, and The Thing Called Love. Now, uh, anyone who knows the show would know what I'm just... There's two movies that I'm really, really wanting to talk about, but uh, I'm going to open up to you first. What did you watch? I watched The Fugitive, mm-hmm. Jason Goes to Hell. Mm. Very sad. I did not watch Hard Target. Oh and man, you e- missed out, sir. Things. Oh, I okay, know. cool. Needful Things is pretty shit. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. I can't <laughs> say I um paid a lot of attention to it, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. It's just a typical Stephen King baloney. It's, it's boring. Like I watched it last year. Um, uh, just I think out of Why? just like. Oh, I think I was just going through the horror movies on Stan. I was like, oh, I'll watch that. And, like, I, yeah, there's not a lot of Stephen King movies that, like, I really like. And not on Stan was... anymore, by the way. Paid $5 for that. Gee, I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so let's, yep. let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Hard Target, if you've never, like, Hard Target is to date my favorite. Jean-Claude Van Damme movie we've talked about so far. What about uh, Lionheart? Uh, nah, this is better. Um, okay. His his mullet in this is unbelievable. And it takes place in New Orleans. It's got like the best cast of characters. You've got Wilford Brimley, fresh from his turn on the firm. Lance Henriksen is a bad guy. Uh, and um, oh, yeah. the the guy who would be the um, Arnold uh, Vosloo, who would actually be the mummy when the mummy comes out. He's in it as a henchman. Uh, okay. It is... <laughs> and John-Claude Van, Dam- uh, Van Damme's character name is Chance Boudreau. Oh, man. Which is just... He thought of that, didn't he? He came up with that. 
for sure. Definitely, yeah. I I did hear that apparently he was a little little bit of a prima donna on the set of this movie. So, um, but uh, well, he's starting to hit his peak right now, isn't he? So, yeah, I think like he, no, he doesn't get too feeling himself. He doesn't get to Steven Seagal proportions, which is, um, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast or just in conversation with you, but I I listened to the Behind the Bastards podcast about him. Uh, yeah, about Steven. About Steven Seagal, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I believe this has come up a couple of times now, and you uh, are not a fan. No, no, he is a piece of shit. So, if you yeah, if you get a chance, uh, definitely. This is this is this is prime John Claude Van Damme. His mullet is it should be in the fucking Louvre, like it's amazing. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, so let's talk about. Okay, before we get on, so I'm going to talk about another movie that I watched that you didn't watch because I, w- I really want to uh, to talk about it. It's called Heart and Souls. Nobody really knows what happens when you die. Some say it's an end. Others, a beginning. Some say you just keep going round and round until you get it right. One night, four people were driven by destiny, overtaken by fate, and ended up living the life of Riley, Thomas Riley. Not that happy to see us. Now, with the help of this reluctant mortal, there are these people in town. There are these four very annoying, very demanding people. I'm sorry. I want your body. No, no, that's not funny. These four souls, with no idea how long I've waited for the chance, but well, you know, to stop, are about to get a second chance. We're supposed to have you help finish things for us. It's all part of the grand scheme of things. This summer, Universal Pictures presents. We can do this. This is. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, the way the pieces fit, you and us. From Ron Underwood, director of City Slickers. Promise me you're going to live a life that I didn't get to live. I promise. A romantic comedy with heart. You see, something good comes out of everything. Heart and souls. Oh, how good is that movie? Oh my God, I haven't cried (laughs) And the thing is with Heart and Souls is that you cry in multiple parts of the movie. Like, I was a mess. Um, my boys were coming. I was watching it in the morning, as I do with movies a lot uh, these days. And my boys came in and, like, were asking me questions. They're like, why is your eyes all red and puffy? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> um, if you've never seen Heart and Souls, you should. Um, it is about uh, a young boy. Well, okay, so four people... Um, get onto a bus and they're all at sort of a crossroads of their life with uh, their situation. The bus crashes and then they become ghosts, but nearby a, uh, a, a baby's being born and they get attached to... And I, I was I was telling my wife about this and in, it's one of those things when, when you discuss something, it sounds like it's actually a weird, weird movie. But anyway, so this baby is born and these four souls, these four ghosts are attached to that baby. And basically only the baby can see them. So we see like um, his childhood and basically they, they come to, they go to his first day of school and lots of stuff and help him out. 
But then, obviously, he's talking to people who aren't there. So his um, parents take him to a psychiatrist and the ghosts decide, and this is all within half an hour of the movie starting, the ghosts decide that they should not be present in his life anymore. They should become invisible so he's like a normal boy and um, there's this really heartbreaking scene where they're telling this six-year-old kid that these four people who have been with you since the start are going away now. Um it basically then jump cuts to uh, present day, well, present day, 1993, um, and Robert Downey Jr. in one of the best movies he's ever done, bar none. Wow. Okay. Um, he is now like a ruthless type of like businessman. He's got like expensive uh, car and clothes and all that stuff. He's got a really uh, high-priced job. He's um, trying to put this company out of business that is um, owned by Kurtwood Smith, who is Red from that 70s show, who is tur- he is turning up in a lot of movies these days. So he becomes 1993 Robert Downey Jr., is that what happens to him? Yeah, and so he can't see the ghost. The ghost, he's basically, um, I think he's done therapy. He's like, he basically blocks him out. They can't talk to him, but they're still around him. So like, you still see him walking around and they've got these, and he's got these ghosts because apparently there's like a, like a 10 meter radius that they can't leave. Like they always have to be, have to be around him. Um, so what happens is the bus driver that caused the accident comes back and now he's saying like, oh, look, I've got to take your souls now because we need them for new babies that are being born. And they said, well, and they're like, well, why now? And he's like, oh, because you would have like, he basically says that someone should have told you that the reason that you're stuck here on earth is to basically get this person, Robert Downey Jr., to like fix the problems that you had in your lives before you passed on. And then you can sort of, become a spirit and be at, be at, at, at peace sort of thing. But no one told them that. So they have 30 years of this space where you hang around this kid and, and they've been doing it. So they've, they've now got like uh, two or three days to get all their affairs in order. So like, um, and th- they also find out that they can now jump into Robert Downey Jr.'s body and take control of his body. And this opens up acting 101 because now Robert Downey Jr., has to take on the personality traits of these four people. So Charles Grodin is one of the ghosts. Uh, Kyra Sedwick from um, uh, Singles. 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 Um, and also um, <laughs> Tom Sizemore. Playing, oh, that's rough. Playing the most non-Tom Sizemore role that you ever would have seen. Like, he's actually nice in this movie. And uh, the last one is Alfred Wood. Alfra Woodard, um, who you might know from, she was if you if you remember Scrooge, she was like um, Bill Murray's like no, personal that film's assist- terrible. Well, she was Bill Murray's personal assistant in that film. Um, terrible film. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, Elizabeth Shue plays um, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s girlfriend. Um, I won't I won't get into it because like you should just watch it. Um, but. Man, um, I'm, I'm also right in thinking at the bottom there was like a little clock that starts ticking over, and every now and then it cuts to Jack Bauer about how much time they have left to solve the mystery. Is that right? Yes, that yes, it, it was it was Heart and Souls yeah. 24, yeah, 24 Heart and Souls. Yeah, cool. Um, watch this movie, is all I can say. Is it's one of the best things I've I, I remember watching it when I was a kid with my sister, it was like, and I, I liked it because it like the there's like a song that goes all the way through it, is that that walk like a man like a man um and i loved all that 50s music like my dad used to play a lot in the house so like when i heard i, I always attribute that movie to that song 
Um, and there's a fair bit of nostalgia yeah. going for me that like in like in this movie, but I think it's a delightful um, comedy romantic uh, with a bit of with a lot of crying involved. So uh, was that song enjoy. ruined when you saw Sleepers? Oh, fucking Sleepers. <laughs> I think we're I think we're we're near Sleeper Town. <laughs> it's I think it's ninety five or ninety. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's coming up. Um, but yeah, uh, let's get on to the the two movies that we've um that I will, I really wanted you to watch. Uh, Jason goes to hell. So let's talk about that one first. Did- many faces. Death wears many different masks. But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. Goes to hell the final Friday. Did you want me to watch it? Bef- Did you want me to watch this after you'd watched it? Oh, or no, I, I, before I wanted you'd watched to, it. I wanted to talk about it. Like, I just wanted to make sure that you watched it is one of the ones that you were going to watch because it is, it is such a. And then I realized that it's kind of s- maybe silly of me to ask that because you. You're not a big Friday the Thirteenth fan, so you, like, have you have you seen many of the other movies? Maybe not. I don't recall, but it's quite likely that I've seen some of them. You know, I don't recall. Um, Would you like my notes on this film? Uh, that I, I did wanna... pretty much watch start to finish. Okay, I want to. Well, firstly, it's like an eighty-four minute film, so you should have watched it fast from start to finish. But um... yeah, but am I going to pay attention to every single moment? I'll just give everyone like a quick a quick uh, uh, idea of yes, what's going please, on here. Please explain this film. Jesus. Um, so obviously uh, the franchise had, had like uh, this is like the ninth film in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Now, a couple of things, interesting things, is that the reason it's actually called Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. The reason for this is because the rights were sold and they could not use the Friday the Thirteenth name anymore. They could use the name Jason. They could have the character names, but they could not call anything Friday the 13th. So this that's why this one, and then also the next one, Jason X, doesn't have the Friday the 13th name at, in, in the actual title of the movie. Like, it's all a rights issue. Um, so they... It starts off with Jason is basically trapped by, like, the... Um, I'm going to say FBI. <laughs> I don't know. And he's basically blown up. Um, he gets... Uh, he gets Because he was chasing boobies <clears throat> through the wood. Don't yeah, miss that. Um, and he, he basically gets taken to the morgue and then the morgue assistant, for some reason, eats his heart, which unleashes a worm that goes into his body and then Jason basically passes on this worm to more and more people. He's trying to find his sister and his niece. Um, I don't know. Um, I, there's a bounty hunter in there. <laughs> this, is, this is the best I can do. Um, there's a lot of stupid people. For some Make reason, there's that. like, <clears throat> for some reason, there's the Necronomicon from uh, Evil Dead in there, um, yes. and then at the end, the big that. the the big thing was is that at the end of the movie, 
Jason's mask is on the ground. He's been he's been defeated, and then just before the, the credits come up, Freddy's hand, Freddy Krueger's hand, comes out of the dirt, pulls Jason's mask down, and starts laughing, which was supposed to be the lining up of Freddy versus Jason, which wouldn't happen for another what ten years sort of thing. So, um, but let's let's hear your notes about uh, uh, Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Okay, sit back. You, this is this is a journey. Uh, note one: uh, This was very early on taken down, uh, but I could have made note of this multiple times throughout the film. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> that's that's what I wrote. Yeah. Also, uh, probably my last note, but it, the thought crossed my mind several times throughout the film: doesn't go to hell. Well, that's that's that's, that's Freddie pulls him down. Actually, he pulls master. No, but he doesn't. He doesn't go to hell. Mm. Yeah, actually, he doesn't. Go to I hell. was somewhat excited when they blew him up at the start of the film, like they trap him in all these lights. Like, oh wow, they've actually killed him. Like he's they've blown him up. He's dead. I thought he's gonna his spirit will go down to hell and he'll start murdering people in hell and find his way out. That's a cool concept for good Jason movie. going to hell good movie yeah I'll instead he just takes over different bodies and just carries on killing he doesn't go to hell can i say and he's this actually is not... in jason heaven he carries on killing <laughs> um and this is not like a concept or this is not a um an opinion only owned by me like i like i've, I've listened to a few podcasts in the past about um this movie and a lot of people say and i agree this is a good horror movie if it wasn't a friday the 13th movie like the the it's kind of like that um do you remember that uh denzel washington one where like you, they could pass there's a serial killer that passed his soul on to other people and could i think it's called fallen or something like that um no the the idea that like we've got this this killer that can pass on once he's used his, this body up he can pass he can move on to another body and, and use that one I reckon that's a really cool concept. I just don't think it's a good concept for Friday the 13th. Yeah, so they're basically saying that Jason Voorhees was just taken over by some two-legged worm thing. Well, that's the thing. Like, they kind of retrofitted, like, the entire Friday the 13th series to, like, suit this new concept where it's like, if anything, like, in the last two films, he's a zombie. Like, basically, he just can't be killed because that's the reason. Um... But yeah, like there's there's a lot of stuff wrong. But please continue with your notes. I want to hear them. Oh no, that was it. Just those two. Oh Jesus! I, and um, I didn't <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I did enjoy the um the Green Mile moments that he was doing with his worm monster. <laughs> what Green Mile moments? <laughs> you know, in Green Mile, when he sucks the bad out of people and then puts it in someone else's mouth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like going up and mouth breathing into people. There's a couple of uh pretty decent scenes like the uh for some reason he's about to do that but feels he's in the body of the uh of the morgue technician and he grabs his cop and for some reason takes all the cops clothes off and and ties them to a table (laughs) in a very sort of bdsm sort of scene um to pass on this uh this 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 jason worm from mouth to mouth uh we also have uh, this really weird bounty hunter, <laughs> um, who was just—I kind of like him. Yeah, but I don't like his little entry um, about 
a little girl in a donut hole and so, I don't know. It was it was that was very weird. Um, he's very but, cocky as well and gives nothing away. And then it turns he's like, I could kill him. Just give him. My, it's like you. And then at the end, you can't kill him. No. The whole plot was you need to get his sister to do it. He's basically trying to he's be a con man. He's trying to be Quint from Jaws, but like Quint could actually do the thing he said he was going to do. Um, yeah. You've also got uh, quite a lot of nudity in this movie. <laughs> Um, for a, uh, I mean, it's a horror film, so that's what they do. It's a nice horror film, yeah. Um, I have to say, the most off-putting thing of this, this entire movie, and every time it gets me. So, basically, Jason's dead. The entire area, like around Crystal Lake, is um, celebrating, and there's a burger place that is celebrating, um, run by like southern rednecks for some reason especially even though it's supposed to like take place in new jersey i don't know um <laughs> so they're making jason burgers and one of the cooks says like i can't work out how to do a jason burger and the old lady who owns the place comes back and they've got this hunk of meat and she pulls out like eye sockets and stuff and she said look it looks like a hockey mask and she's just touched raw meat and then her husband comes in and she hugs him and then she doesn't wash her hands and just continues to, to go around touching stuff. And I'm like, oh, 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 God, don't. She probably wiped them on her pants at some point, right? That's not washing them. That yeah, is not it's washing. a form of washing them. Oh, my God. It, 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 it makes me nearly dry gag, like, every time. That's what pants are for. Oh, God. Not for raw meat. Uh, yeah, this is a very weird, convoluted, stupid, silly movie that everyone should watch because it's funny. Um, mm. uh, it is, it is on Netflix at the moment in Australia. Uh, just, just give it a go. Like it's, it's hard to watch it and not watch like, I mean, you, I suppose you do need to watch like the, the, the ones before it, but then you probably don't. It's just, that's just have some fun. I don't think you do. I, I was slightly confused at the start. It's like. I'm sure Jason is under the film. I was like, are they the Friday the 13th films? Is that where he's from? Did he always look this weird and gross? <laughs> oh, man. He looks he looks haggard in this movie. It's like... I've never liked... mask was really tight on his head. I see... I hate to a lot of people think that this is one of the best-looking Jasons, and I think it looks terrible, and I'm glad they didn't go with it with the... Um... So, now, I'm sorry to tell you, you do not get another Jason Voorhees until 2001? That's a lot of time without wow. Jason. That's it is. It's amazing he even made it back. And I, I kind of, I kind of blame, not blame, but like this whole rehash of a series thing came back full force after the success of Phantom Menace. Like once Star Wars said, like, oh no, we can take a property from the eighties and make it like decent again. Like you started seeing like all these rehashes of um, old series, mostly horror, but like a lot of other ones too. So. Yeah, um, we will get to Jason X in good due time. Um, but before mm. that, uh, Jason Specs, man, what's what's the problem? Um, before uh. that, we have got uh, the fugitive. I came home. There was a man in my house. He had an artificial arm. Are you saying that I killed my wife? Are you saying that I crushed her skull and that I shot her? No! 
gentlemen, listen up. We have a fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That will give you a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and dog house in this area. Checkpoints will go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Man, this could be one of it's my... It's a weird start, huh? Top 10 movies of all time. No, it's not. Don't be silly. It is. It's one of, it's my, it's a comfort movie for me. Um, this time around, uh, again, this is one of those ones where watching it, really watching it for this podcast rather than sort of having it on the background or like, you know, sort of, um, not really paying attention. There is a few things that I could see that could be like, not great about it, but it still, it still holds firm for me. What, what, what did you think of The Fugitive? I wanted to, like most things that I do, I wanted to multitask and be doing something else while watching it. Okay. But I did for a little bit, but uh, eventually I I couldn't. I had to just focus in on it. And I'm amazed how well I still knew it. I Like, from start to finish, I was not surprised or there was no moments of the film I was like, I don't remember this. Yeah. Like, I remembered every single moment, scene for scene, what was going, what was coming. It, and is, it was all is, excellent. Yeah, it's like it's 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 the perfect. I think we watched it on a Saturday night, um, and like I've yeah, this is one that I've seen on on TV so many times. Um, when I start watching it, I have to finish it. Uh, if you don't know what the story of the fugitive is, it's basically a uh, uh, a doctor, Richard Kimball, played by Harrison Ford, uh, comes home and finds his wife. Well, actually finds an intruder in his house with uh, a prosthetic arm and his wife has been murdered. He calls the police and it, the police don't believe him and they believe that he murdered his wife. So he's actually, uh, it's, it's a, I don't think that this would happen in real life at any stage of history. That, um, I don't know whether their, their evidence was that great. The, the biggest part of the evidence was that his wife calls 911 and she says he's trying to kill me and then she says Richard so like they think that she that that he's, she's basically identifying her killer to the 911 uh Rich Kimball is also found, they yeah. find no forced entry oh yeah they find no evidence of anyone else being in the house oh and scratch so, marks on his scratch marks on his neck too so i yeah. kind of get it but they completely skip over all the courtroom stuff yeah you don't get any of that which is a little bit frustrating I think if they did it again, that courtroom thing would be on, would go on for a lot longer. Uh, so basically, he's he's basically uh, um, found guilty and and condemned to to, ex- to death. Um, so he's being transferred by bus. Uh, a couple of the prisoners stage a a breakout, and the bus crashes in unbelievable fashion. We'll get to that. And. Um, <laughs> Richard Kimball's now on the loose. He's a fugitive. Tom Lee Jones comes in. He is... Who is he? Is he just a regular cop? No, he's a US Marshal. Um, and he is... He has a team that basically hunts down fugitives. 
Uh, and then, uh, but Richard Kimball wants to go back to Chicago and find out why his wife was killed and finds out all sorts of different things. Um, it's amazing. It's comforting. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, what do you think? I, I enjoy the different plot points here and that he solves a murder and solves a drug company, um, hiding things. Yeah, I'm a little bit annoyed that the drug company thing doesn't come up earlier on. Like, he was finding this stuff out. He was taking that to people saying, this isn't right. And then it just... It never really gets mentioned until the very, very end. Well, I think if they sort of went too much into it, you'd just know that it was um, Dr. Charles Nichols, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Charles Nichols. Um, Richard Kimber. <laughs> um I- I don't know, it just it kind of bothered me that that came through at the end of like, oh, here's another thing that he's solved and he's a hero. I think... I think if they, I, if I'm they not thought... poo-pooing it. I think it's no, no. all great and I'd, I'd love the film, but it kind of comes from nowhere. It does, and I think they they need to sort of maybe just like do little breadcrumbs here and there, but I think it would have like... Because really, when you think about it, there's, there's only a few people that you could tie this to, um, and I think people would... Um, Um, and I think like people would just would have guessed it was um his friend Dr. Nichols that like basically was behind it all if they sort of showed their hand a, bit, a little bit too early but um yeah I guess so I think I, my thing is that you've got two fairly older actors at this point I mean I suppose at this stage they would have been their 40s or 50s but like f- to, to be like as a summer blockbuster I think it's it's a testament to like um you don't need to have young like actors beating up beating up heaps of henchmen and and you know all this sort of stuff to have an action film that's actually quite uh character driven and also performance driven sort of thing like there's 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 an action. hang on hang on then if we don't need that why do we have two big nerdy dumb male doctors fighting on our rooftop Oh, I mean, you've got to have at one point there, but like, I think like the action scenes don't always have to be about like fist fighting all that stuff. It's like, you know, I'd I like their set pieces. Like, I mean, let's talk about the, the, the bus is, is, is hit by a train. I mean, that, that looks amazing still, I think. Um, I, except when he jumps off and it's very, very fake. And <laughs> if you're about to jump off something, if you're about to jump off a train track, don't stop and look back, get out of there. Why no, you know, to see if the train's still coming? You know a train's coming. Like just, just keep going. Um, <sighs> I, I, I still stand by my. Um, I've said it before a couple of times. Um, Harrison Ford's not that great an actor. <laughs> I don't, He's I think, very good at a certain thing. Pointing and and gruffly talking to someone is what he's good at. And nose breathing when he's angry. <laughs> um. And if you've did I end seen... up showing you uh, after the last Harrison Ford incident we had? Did I send you the Jake Gyllenhaal impersonation? No, I'll have to look that up. Okay, he cool. does a very good uh, Richard Kimball. And if you have never seen the John Mulaney uh, bit about the fugitive, it's just fucking amazing. Um, that's what—that's the bit that made me fall in love with John Mulaney. So, 
um it's in his comeback kid special on netflix so oh yeah i don't remember that bit but i'll uh towards the end towards towards the end it's very very good um are you so yeah it's like a couple of times where um there's one bit that always annoys me and it's when he goes down to the basement and there's that guy bones who has all the samples that he needs for like the, the little samples and stuff like that yeah and this is a guy that worked with richard for like years and probably worked throughout that entire thing where he where his his co-worker got you know arrested for murder of his wife and was going to get sentenced to die and just before richard kimball leaves um the room he goes oh how did that thing with your wife turn out <laughs> it's like what the fuck <laughs> you know how it turned out i'm not supposed to be here i'm a fugitive they say that i murdered her and i've just been asking you a bunch of stuff about liver samples like it's just so it's so that's the worst part of the whole movie it's very strange unless that guy lives in that basement and that's what mal said mal said like leave him alone he probably never leaves the basement <laughs> Yeah, he heard some news about his wife being attacked and was like, oh, what happened with your wife? <laughs> it, it, it only just he came down know. here. Um, we also have... Uh, I can never pronounce her last name. Uh, from the 40-year-old virgin in Glee, uh, Jane... Jane Lynch, sorry. Jane Lynch is the... I'm, I'm talking about... How weird is that? Yeah, because like, I was thinking... I, I always get her name and the name of... Um, the mum from Malcolm in the Middle. They've got, they're both Janes, but I, got, I thought that... Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jane Lynch is in this. It's one of her first roles, I think. Um, so weird. Talking about first roles, uh, the the janitor from Scrubs is the cop that gets yeah. shot on the train. Um, that actually gets, that actually is uh, included in a um, Scrubs episode too. Um, they actually referenced that. Um, yeah, a bunch is this of, his um, first thing? I think he was also. Oh no, he was in um, Rookie of the Year. Remember. Yeah, I was gonna say I've seen him pop up a little bit, like the younger janitor here and there. It's yeah, it's always fun. Uh, you also got jo- Joe Pantoliano. I think he's great as uh, Tommy Lee Jones' little offsider uh, Cosmo. Um, you've got. I always expect him to be a secret bad guy, though. Yeah, you've got Ron Dean who plays like the cop that just cannot believe that Kimball's innocent, and he also he 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 rocks up in um, Dark Knight too. Um, he's uh, one of the cops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's in the bar with Two-Face towards the end. But apart from that, um, the only other thing, I, the other niggle I had is that there's a couple of little montage scenes. I mean, I love the music to this this um, this movie. I reckon the soundtrack's great. James Newton Howard, I'm pretty sure. Um, but there's like a scene where <laughs> it just shows the busy work of Richard Kimball and also of Gerard. But there's a bit where Tommy Jones is just like, kind of staring out a window wistfully. I'm like, he would not do that. He's like, oh, where, oh, where is Richard Kimball? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably looking for him. Like, just out in the street. Oh, man. Yeah, no, this, I, this is, um, yeah. I enjoy, so we watched Red Notice recently. Yeah, what's and, and discovered that somewhere in Dwayne Johnson's contract for every film, it must say, The Rock's got to be in the jungle. Because every film I've ever seen of The Rock, he's in the jungle at some point. Yeah, yeah. And I realized this morning, watching The Fugitive, somewhere in Harrison Ford's contract, it must say he's got to run towards the camera. Harrison loves to run towards the camera. But here's my thing: I don't think Harrison Ford can run because if no, he cannot. Because if so, you got to show him doing it. Yeah. So like, 
Mal was going, no, you can run. And I'm like, no, no. And I actually ran around. I said, like, look, they're cutting. Whenever his, he actually breaks into a, a, a run, they then cut to like a back or a mid, mid angle. You never actually see him running. Um, and she's like, oh, what about that? And then like, there's a bit where it's obviously the, um, the stuntman. I'm like, that's the stuntman. But yeah, I don't think I've seen Harrison Ford run maybe um, since Star Wars. Oh, it's not it's not an actual run that he does. It's when at the start when he's in those cuffs. Yeah. And he's running while restrained. That's what his actual run is like. He didn't have any actual cuffs on. They just thought, <laughs> hey, when you run, it looks like you've got ankle cuffs on. Let's yeah. just put some ankle cuffs on you because that's runs, what it looks like. He runs like a a a 50-year-old dad, which is probably what he was at the time. So it's just like um and he like you know I know he's a handsome guy, but like this film, he's like I think he just brought brought his own clothes because like he looks very comfortable in just like a beige sweater. How well does he play like the creepy janitor? <laughs> there was yeah. an opportunity missed in the nineties for Harrison Ford to be Will Hunting or something. I don't know. Yep. I um uh, and my last note, I don't know if you recall <laughs> when am. we watched Batman. Yeah. Uh I attributed Batman to my love of eating soup very slowly and precisely with a spoon. Yes. I wonder if this is why I really like scrambled eggs in sandwiches. Oh yeah, he he got uh, that breakfast looked amazing. I'm like I don't know why that thought ever would have came to me as an adult or a child like I want to put scrambled eggs not in toast, not with other things, just in bread and eat it as a sandwich. If that's if that's what happens when you're a fugitive, like sign me up. Like uh, if I'm getting that breakfast, uh, mm. that nurse is the worst too. Like she can't see like a like a six foot tall yeah. man <laughs> behind the door. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was wondering, like, do you reckon he would have punched that nurse out? <laughs> yeah, and a patient that clearly can't move. Like, oh, you drank all your water. Yeah, oh, you yeah, you eat all this food. You can move around easily. <laughs> I Gosh. think you're a miracle. Um, I also like. Tommy Lee Jones's outfit this entire movie. You've got a awesome trench coat. You got a sensible jumper, a bright red scarf, and jeans. He is he, dressed for Chicago in March. He is dressed. He he's like the it's the out it's it's the the Muller outfit. It's like business at the top and party down the bottom. It's like yep. He can get. That's he's what you like oh. when you don't have an actual mullet. It's like, you know, yeah, I'm going to do police stuff, but I might stop in a bar on the way home. It's, uh, and I'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, yeah, this will be, I, I can say this is going to be in my top five list at some point. I don't know where it will come in, but like it's, it'll be there because uh, fucking perfection. I love it. I, I can say you're probably going to have to edit out a lot of what we talked about with The Fugitive because uh, we've been here a long time. Yes, we have. <laughs> so let's go on to TV. <laughs> So we're out of time for TV. Um, let's move on to music. I just want to quickly go through a few. So, like, it's getting close to to, um, to pilot season. Like, September is our pilot episode usually because that's when all the US pilots came out. I will say, there's uh, three uh, sitcoms that I watched the pilot for um, that came out this month. So, Big Waves Day, Big Wave Daves, Living Single, and The Trouble with Larry. I'll just do a quick little rundown. Big Wave Dave. Is Adam uh, Adam Arkin? Um, you've got uh, the the mum from Malcolm in the Middle is in there too. Um, it's about a, 
bunch of people uh, about three guys who get sick of living in chicago and it's like one of the worst storms ever like snowstorms so they decide to leave their jobs and open up a surf shop in hawaii called big wave daves and that's the hijinks Sounds that good. come from that it's actually not bad um uh kurtwood smith is in it <laughs> where do i know that name he's red we just talked about him he's red oh yeah <laughs> from- you said him two minutes ago yeah 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 uh, we also have Living Single. Now, Living Single was um, a lot of people, and I'm not tr- I'm not trying to be reductive here, but like a lot of people said it was the the Black Friends because it did deal with six main characters. Queen Latifah was in there. Um, no way. Of uh, and they basically it was basically about six six friends in I believe New York, but I'm I can't be. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I did watch it, but I, I don't think they mentioned the name of the city. Um, the single was great. I mean, the the, the pilot was great. Um, and I think it was going up against it quite a lot because obviously Friends will come out in 94. Um, but yeah, this is a um, pretty funny a pretty funny pilot. Um, if you, and you, you can actually watch the first entire season for free on YouTube because they've got them all on there. So I'll give it, give it a go. The trouble with Larry is... <laughs> so Balky from uh, Perfect Strangers. Balky. <laughs> uh, Balky. You know Balky from you know Perfect Strangers, the show that's had uh, the guy from Beverly Hills Cop who's like Akmel. Ah, uh, yes. yes, Serge Br- Bronson Bronson Pinoche, I think is his, is is his name. Anyway, he plays a guy. The fir- all you can get on YouTube is the first scene of the pilot, where he makes I'm thinking twelve fat jokes about a larger woman in the scene. Oh. Um, and he, he, he is a guy that apparently this is, this is the, this is the concept. He was about to get married to his, no, he got married to his, his, uh, longtime partner in Africa. And then on a, on their honeymoon was taken into the jungle by a group of baboons had to live with them but then he escaped them and got aboard this ship which is what, where we find him in the in the pilot and he's making his way back to america to surprise his wife he's been gone nine years um and that's the concept for this tv show called the trouble with larry it did not last uh four episodes i don't think aside you know removing some fat jokes it sounds exceptional yeah the, a premise that could not be more ridiculous and more enticing for me to want to watch I um, I'm gonna try and find more episodes. Like I, I, I tried a little bit, but it's just it's very hard to um, because it's like another. I think there's a movie called The Trouble with Larry too, or something like that. And it's like it all comes up with that. But if I find any more, I I feel like there's just gonna be more and more fat jokes because that seems to be like the the level. So apart from that, uh, we also had the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, premiere for the first time. I was not on board with this. Like a lot of other people, like I think people more in your age group i mean like three or four years younger than me i think were into it but i don't know were you, were, yes. you, were you into it uh i i was into it i would watch it i wasn't obsessive about it i didn't like have to watch it when i got home or anything like that but i i would watch it if it was on but it's not something i would like seek out or you know we didn't play it in the playground as far as i can recall um but it, you know it was it was a staple i'd say i just remember being um annoyed by it like it was it was one of those ones that like i think it was on 
in between or before Looney Tunes in the afternoons. And I'm like, uh, I just don't, I just don't like, it was just a bit too under, um, I like a lot of people. I remember when I was on the radio, people used to like fly the flag for it all the time. And I'm like, uh, it's just, have you actually watched it? Have you actually rewatched it? It's, it's kind of terrible. I just don't. I just don't know. That's the beautiful thing about nostalgia, regardless of whether something is good or not. It yeah, I get it. What it always was. I get it. Yeah. Um. So, and the only other thing I've got for uh for the uh, and this sort of nicely segues into our music. There was the first David Letterman on CBS, and the first guest was Bill Murray, and the first musical guest was Billy Joel. Wouldn't it be great if Letterman's first name was Bill? <laughs> it's just a night. A night and then on the bill that night, it could have just been three bills. <laughs> on the bill that night. <laughs> bill oh, bills. You. Oh, you. Uh, yeah, so that is our... And let's just see if I can segue into it nicely here. Let's go on to music. I feel like the rock's going to appear at some point now. <laughs> in the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep. <laughs> this was the month of Billy Joel's River of Dreams being released. I went to the tour of this uh, album. It was like my one of my first ever shows I've ever seen. It was amazing and brilliant. Uh, I love it. It was one of like my f- my first memories of music. Um, I don't care if Is you don't like it. Is this where it all began? The Billy Joel thing. Yeah. Oh no, I loved him more like way before that. But like, like I was too young to go to the Stormfront tour. I think that would have been like nine or something like that. But now I was like, I was a big strong. 11 year old <laughs> but, but you like you like billy joel like you'd heard his songs loved they were him. good and then you went and loved saw him. him and that just cemented forever that you will forever be a joeler oh yeah like i'm i'm a, I'm a lifelong joeler um i think uh <laughs> uh i it's think the it's... white version of a choler <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's just a thing of like when you see for a kid you sometimes question uh, not reality, but just to, to see someone do something that you've heard on a. For me, it was like on like watching Rage, or listening to the CD, or not the CD, probably the probably the tape or the or the record back then, um, and then seeing it perform live, um, it's just it blows your mind. I think it was just my first time that like I'm like, oh, that's something that people do, um. And that can be done. Like it's it's he had this like whole stage show, and I I loved it. It was it was just one of the best things I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll go through. Uh, let's just go through. We got the Aria music charts. Billy Joel River of Dreams was uh, on there, and also Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40. And Dang on the Billboard, no. Um, and in the Billboard chart, UB40 was also on there. Can't help falling in love. It's got to be knocked off sometime soon. Um, we also had uh, releases from Julia, Juliana Hatfield 3, Criss Cross, Sheryl Crow, Unrest, Billy Joel, All, Bad Brains, 
Clutch, Cracker, Stereo Lab, Pennywise, the Boo Radleys, Mariah Carey, the Breeders, and Garth Brooks. Excuse Pretty... me, and Shaggy. Oh, and Shaggy, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I always forget Shaggy. This is where we start getting uh, more and more of the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. <laughs> so all you all you're doing is just constructing the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack for by by year before it's actually released. Yeah. Yes. Uh, tell me what you like because I can. I, I'm pretty sure you could probably pick out what I loved, but because um, I I sit your message saying that August was a pretty pretty banger month for uh, for music. You did. Um, I wouldn't say it was a banger month, but I was shocked at how much of it was. I mean, I know the whole point of this podcast is we're reliving our childhood and nostalgia, but now we're getting more and more to where it's in your memories and it's ingrained in like you're growing oh, up. Oh yeah, like the Cheryl Cheryl Crow songs. Oh man, uh, River of Dreams, Mariah Carey, Shaggy. A lot of that stuff just got thrashed on the radio. Shaggy, Shaggy. um, <laughs> and obviously Dumb and Dumber helped a bit. Um, oh, Carolina. Uh, Cheryl Crow just naming uh, LA landmarks <laughs> throughout all I want to do. Um, but still, that's a, like, I I like the Cheryl Crow album way more than I thought I would. Like, I thought that was quite easy to listen to. Um, yeah. I it's, really... it's definitely a contender. Run, baby, run, and strong enough as well. I don't know yeah. if they got enough kudos because of all I want to do, Soothing Limelight. Run Baby Run's a really good song. Um, I uh, I really liked uh, like the actual album wasn't that strong, but Spin the Bottle by uh, the Juliana Hatfield three was um, was pretty good. I think that comes up. I want to say Reality Bites, but I'm not sure. It's one of those types of movies. I think in the next year or so, I think that's that that song's in there because I remember that's where I first heard it. Um, I really liked. Uh, I mean. I'm a pretty much <laughs> a lifelong fan, but Cracker, um, this one is, uh, Kerosene Hat is probably like their breakthrough album. Um, really love it. You probably would know this song. It's okay. And the uh, chorus is like, Hey, 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 like being low. Stone. I know that song because you used to play it incessantly. I did. <laughs> mm. Well, no, I, this is my thing. I think that a lot of other songs sound like that. And I think a lot of people, because I've had a few people who's like, oh, this is Cracker, isn't it? No, no, it's not. It's like Cracker, cracker adjacent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like very, very similar. Um, yeah, that's one of my, uh, my favourite um, albums of theirs too. Um, I thought I was going to like Stereo Lab, and then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was not expecting to like them. And I kind of want to watch. I kind of wanted to like the Boo Radleys, and then I didn't. Um, so yeah, I was uh, quite shocked and very, very pleased to find it wasn't on the list that you'd sent out, and I forgot to look it up. But Paul Weller snuck in on the playlist for August '93 with Wildwood. Oh. Yeah, um, that's actually that's that song in particular is pretty good. I don't think the album's that great, but yeah, I must have. Um, the album's not, but that song is amazing. Yeah, if you've never heard, let's just uh, give some. Wild, let's give you a taste of Wildwood. <laughs> He's um yeah, 
Okay, maybe the song is a bit boring, but it's good. Um, before we get on to, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it as, as my favorite, but like uh, before we get to it, um, we have to talk about Mariah Carey because uh, this is her breakthrough album. Um, good dream lover. Oh, she like who? Why isn't that song in more movies? Who is she to have so much talent? (laughs) Like seriously, you'd like some of these albums. You think that they're compilation album, uh, compilation uh, albums of, of all their hits, but no, this is like a one single album with like so much good stuff on it like and i'm not a huge mariah carey fan but like credit where credit's due this is an amazing album and like she deserves all the accolades she gets for it i i was very disappointed later in life to find out that without you was not by her and the original is not nearly as uh, i think it was 10 no bad finger 10 cc or bad finger Dream lover, hero, and without you. Come on, like, come on. Without you is amazing, and I probably where I learned to cry was listening to that song, but (laughs) not her song. (laughs) Just want to point that out. Just want to just picture you um, in your room (laughs) listening to Mariah Carey and just weeping. Your parents knocking at the door is like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and thinking about the fact that I would never marry Renee Russo. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a framed picture of Renee Russo on your chest and just <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> Why? Why would that 40-year-old woman come and acknowledge this 10-year-old boy? I've watched Lethal Weapon 3 like five times. Why does she help to me? <laughs> ah, it's a tough time. Oh, my God. Um... My favorite album of this uh, this month will have to be uh, "Last Splash" by the Breeders. I fucking love this album. Um, I oh. do. So, I will say that um, uh, coming into it, like I was a big fan of this album before I started this podcast sort of thing, and like I usually like to find something new. But like, uh, and I, I I should go back. Um, I do like the Pennywise album. It's probably one of their, their stronger ones. Um, Unknown Road. Um, nice to see some, uh, we're edging into ever further into the punk rock, uh, territory. So I'm looking forward to that. How but, yeah. funny is it though, getting like this punk rock stuff bleeding in alongside Stereolab and Shaggy and Mariah <laughs> Carey. But... fucking banger um it is i'm surprised that's taken out your number one because it's like you said it's not a new discovery yeah so how is that how is that pipped river of dreams um because i will tell you uh river of dreams can i can i have a guess why the rest of the album's trash (laughs) i wasn't gonna say it's trash but remember how many times throughout this podcast we've said it's like they wrote one great song and then needed eight others to go with it. 
and yes. none of them fit or are as good as that one song. And it stands to reason that this is his last album he ever released. Like he's never released is it really? anything. Yeah. No, he's never released anything else. Like all he does now is just play like the songs he released for like the 70s, 80s and 90s albums. He never released anything oh. new. Um because I think this really pushed his limits, like his songwriting limits. I think uh I think he just realized, look, I'm going to stay in my lane. I know what people want. They want Piano Man and We Didn't Start the Fire. I'll do that. And I'll, I'll play Madison Square Garden like 80 times now. I think he's, he's played that place. Um, he's got like a residency there. Uh, he did used to have the record for like most sold out in a row there. Yeah. Um, so Probably still does. He, does, I do, he still does? I think so, yeah. Um, there's um, Christy Brinkley uh, drew the album cover. Like she, that was a painting from Christy Brinkley, her his wife at the time, who will be divorcing him in '94. And that's when Billy, Billy, Billy went down the reeds for a little bit. There, we talk about his. Uh, I think he drove his car into someone's backyard and a few things. So, yeah, Billy's. Billy's is that the? Some... Is that the Christy Brinkley that ended up with Chris Farley or something? Is that someone else I'm thinking of? I think it's not that. That's the well, because Chris Farley isn't long for this earth either. Um, oh yeah, that's coming. Let's not talk about that. Um, but yeah, Christy Brinkley is the one that she is basically with him since uh, I think eighty six. Um, was in his Uptown Girl video. Um, but yeah, we're not there yet. Like they're still together, and she painted that album cover. Um, I think very generous with uh the proportions of billy joel on that because i think at this stage she was getting <laughs> a little bit uh rounder um but going back to last splash uh with the breeders um i think and i'm ashamed to i've been thinking about how to how to how to say this next bit without sounding like a complete fucking tool the breeders for me were the band and I hate to say this, they were the band that made me realize there are female songwriters and bands that I should listen to as well. Like they were my breakout. Like up until then, like it was a very male-dominated. Um, uh, all, all, all the artists I like were male. Like I didn't like a lot of female. And like most of the females I knew were, were people like sort of Mariah Carey and. Um, salt and pepper and like those sort of like rap and and diva sort of things and this is like this is like a grunge band or a punk band it's like it's all well not all female but like it's it's fronted by two females and it's 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 raw and it's um it's amazing and i i've i've i mean i should you know i should also be okay with the fact that i was was 11 at the time so i probably didn't have like a lot of experience in like different genres and different things but like yeah this this really opened my eyes up as like oh this is amazing and to be fair, like looking back at what we've done, we've you know done our best to try and highlight other women going around at the time, but there wasn't that many. Like the yeah. standouts up until now would be Bikini Kill, L Seven, Veruca Salt as yeah. like female fronted bands. Well, I think L Seven, um, uh, and I think L Seven Breeders, Veruca Salt, and Hole. Would be like the forefront of forefront of um of of uh, women in rock for the nineties sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's um, but yeah, if you've never heard this album, and like I have to say, I'm not 
like I, I do like the breeders and i, I i've listened to a few of their other albums but i don't think even quite come as close as to this one like consistently the way the whole way through the album i don't think there's like many bad tracks on it um i love the song saints it's probably one of my favorite songs ever uh driving on nine is amazing um nice little sort of country tune mm. like they, they actually sort of um and Noah Noah aloha is a, is awesome i'll, I'll probably chuck up a, a uh um i'll chuck up a clip um onto the instagram they i also will show their uh, have you ever seen their interview with conan o'brien i don't think so so they went on there in his first year so i think they were one of his first musical guests and um I believe they're talking about giving each other hickeys, and I believe the bass player, <laughs> I believe the bass player actually gives Conan like a kiss on the neck and tries to give him a, a hickey. Is the bass player a man or a woman? A woman. Okay. Was um, it Kim? No, no. They, they were talking about how, and like this is like this is weird, and this is what made me want to watch more early Conan because like when he like they they played this song and then he he had a chat to him. And it's like, it's so loose. Like, they're basically like, oh, we were talking about giving each... Oh, no, we were giving each other hickeys in the tour van last night. And he's like, oh, let's talk about that. And then, like, they... <laughs> and then they give him one. And, I'm like, it's just, like, at that time would have been so much different to, like, the stodginess of, like, Jay Leno or, like, uh, David Letterman sort of thing. I mean, David Letterman sort of played a little yeah. bit sort of fast and loose too. But, like, it was definitely... You could see even then that this was, like, a better show for that sort of cozy cruisy sort of factor and yeah no one was as young and wild as conan was <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah uh if i was gonna do a um if i was gonna do a yeah well we are going um our top top album would be definitely last splash um by the breeders i think me. the same i can't mariah carey is is quite a standout and cheryl crow is the same like there's three absolutely amazing songs on there uh, yeah. So, I mean, they could all tie for first if we we're allowed to do that, but probably be breeders. Yeah, and I think, I mean, fugitive. I to tell you the truth, heart and souls gave it a run for its money, um, and could and could definitely be a contender for top five. But uh, yeah, um, at this stage, I think I'm gonna still I still gotta stick with fugitive as my as my number one movie. As, aside, ignoring the fact that he should have died um, when he jumped off that dam, <laughs> I don't care. It's he's. I mean, he definitely died. You, you watch when he jumps and his body curves back in towards the dam, and then it cuts away and it's clearly a dummy just flailing around, falling to its death. Oh yeah. So yeah, he definitely. died, and the rest of the film is just a dream. Um, <laughs> yeah, ignoring the whole fact that the film isn't real. Uh, yeah, probably my choice of the month i also like the fact that the one of the best bits of the movie is after that uh cosmo and gerard not being able to find a way out of the um out of like the aqueduct holes like they're like <laughs> they're, they're running around trying to find a find an exit and like it, it almost looks like they just left the cameras running and said all right actors go try and find the exit and like where's the damn door <laughs> What about when they're just running down that big pipe thing off the, on the side of the dam? Like, be, what, is that safe? Should you be on that? Nah, Where did they fine. come from? It's fine. Where did they go? Hinky. Hinky. Uh, Hinky. Uh, 
Oh man, I love that movie so much. Uh, so if you, that's that's it. That's August '93 done and dusted and put back on the shelf, and uh, we're looking never forward. to be seen again. Well, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, living in the past pod at gmail.com. Uh, get onto us on Instagram. Uh, at the moment, since I've got some spare time, I'm actually like actually putting stuff up on there. So like that's pretty good. Enjoy that while it lasts. Uh, <laughs> and then um, uh, also check out our Letterboxd and Spotify uh, links in the uh, in the description. And uh, yeah, if you if you feel the need or feel that you want to, give us a five star review. It helps us grow the show, helps us get to more people, which is you know always a good thing. Um, and yeah, that's. And That's and uh, feel free to let us know if you've watched or listened to anything that we've been covering and if it holds up or not. I'm very curious yeah. if... Are we completely alone and still enjoying these things? Oh, no. I think... Yeah. I, and I, I hope that uh, maybe... I have heard from some people that, like, I've... You know, they've, they've watched movies for the first time or even it's the first time since, like, the 90s because of the podcast. So, like, that's kind of refreshing to hear. And also, like... Uh, you know, getting into music they never maybe would have um, given a chance to. So yeah, like it's uh, yeah. But my my uh, even though my top five, I mean my my top um top movie is Fugitive. I I implore everyone to watch Heart and Souls and uh, have a good cry. And, and not Jason goes to hell because he does not go to hell. <laughs> Jason goes to heaven. <laughs> all right. Uh, until next time, I will see you all later. Bye, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at mildscribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbour, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks.